Level 2, this is Sports Rage. I am Gabe Obransi. Shout out to all of our radio affiliates kicking it on the Friday night uh, freak show. We're perplexed. We're perplexed. We're sad. We're beaten down after a frustrating night at the track, man. Unbelievable how the Buffalo Bulls and the Ball State Cardinals somehow managed to stay under the number. The total was 69 and a half, and they put up 56 points in the first half. Game stays under. I don't know what the hell is going on at Marshall. They lose to Rice, then they get shut out in the first half uh, tonight against UAB. Congratulations to the Blazers for winning the uh, Conference USA Championship, a game that I didn't even know that was going on, all right? I knew it was going on, but if you notice, like all week I ignored that game, and I don't know, it didn't catch my eye. I didn't even realize it was the Conference USA Championship. I just thought it was like another stupid game, and then like moments before kickoff, I'm like, ah, whatever, I'll get in on Marshall here. They'll bounce back after that rice debacle. They bounce back after that rice debacle with a bigger debacle tonight. Uh, Buffalo chokes, shocking. The Buffalo Bulls um, and the USC Trojans choke this evening. Uh, did the Trojans choke or were the Ducks better? I don't know, a little bit of both. I got to tell you, man, that Duck defense was damn good, though. The Duck defense really created a lot of pressure. That Thibodeau guy, man, he was a force. He was a force. Slovis didn't have any time in the pocket tonight, and there's no excuses for the USC Trojans, and there's no excuses for our bet on the USC Trojans, yet McCoy, Bones, drops a pass that basically would have tied the football game at 31 with four minutes left, brutal drop, and listen, the kid's a freshman, he's going to be haunted by it, I get it, it is what it is, the Ducks were the better team, and the Ducks probably would have won in overtime anyways, to be honest, or whatever would have happened. The Ducks were the better team. Like I said, USC danced with the devil a lot this year, and it finally caught up to them. Yet it also didn't help that their stud wide receiver got injured. When he went down and it was 31-17, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, oh God. Oh. It was, you know, it was, you know, basically it's like a sign of things to come. It's a sign of things to come. Uh, and it was a sign of things to come. USC just couldn't buy a break tonight. Couldn't buy a break. Tony Finn's going to step up and then help us break down Saturday's game. And we've got NFL football, the Buffalo Bills and the Denver Broncos, some holiday football, Panthers, Packers, late night anger management class continues. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Step up and then countdown to kickoff is on. It's conference championship uh, Saturday and uh, and others. And normally, you know what? I focused in on the, the conference championship games, but we have a commander-in-chief game uh, going on. And last week, we talked about Army and Navy going under the number and military academy teams playing against each other. We have a situation once again. We have the same opportunity once again with Air Force an army on the board. Looking forward to that football game. And always look forward to Tony Finn stepping up and in. 
What's going on, Tony? How you doing tonight? Good. It's a good day. It's a good day. It's a good weekend. Uh, this is one of my favorite uh, college football weekends, which probably is an obvious statement, but uh, we have you got all this, all the hype, all those, all those primetime personalities, and then we always have a few games that kind of fly under the radar. Those are the ones I'm kind of interested in, in this weekend as well. But uh, it's a good weekend. Thanks for having me. You know what's funny, actually, we have. You know what's interesting? This this is the weekend. It's separation Saturday, in which there's all these teams. Look, people have made a case for USC. Oh, they're not getting enough respect. And and you know, then it boom, they get exposed. We'll see what happens with Notre Dame and Clemson. How the college football scene uh, plays out. Oklahoma and Iowa State. Listen, Iowa State are getting a lot of respect from the voters. If Iowa State win this football game. I don't know. The crazy things could end up happening. So let's jump right in here, Tony. And thank you for your time, sir. Wager Talk Sports Memo in the house. Wager Talk TV. So Ohio State, all week it was lingering at 20 and a half. It was just sitting there. And finally it started to move. It moved to 19 and a half. And now I see it sitting at 18 and a half. This Ohio State team has been a polarizing team to many. Um, obviously the committee Obviously, the voters, they like this team. They like the pedigree. They like the reputation. Justin Fields um, is going to be a top five pick in the National Football League draft. Will he be a success? I don't know. But he's going to be a, a, a big-time draft pick. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if Haskins' failures uh, trickle down and affect Fields after. But um, the total is 55 and a half here. What do you think about Ohio State, um, uh, Tony? Like I said. I hear a lot of people that say their defense sucks. They haven't played anybody, but they obviously have as much talent as anybody in the country, and their offense is potent as hell. What do you make of the Buckeyes, and what do you make of this game against Northwestern? Well, uh, there's no doubt that Northwestern's defense probably poses the biggest test that Ohio State will see all this seen at least this year. And in my opinion, I've watched tape for two years of, uh, of this Ohio State team and uh, under their new leadership, and they they can score on anyone. I'm convinced of that. Uh, if if I was, I'm not in this room. I'm not in this, on this game this weekend. I've looked at it, uh, but you know when you can put up 50 plus points on a on albeit a COVID year and one that was a down year for Michigan State. But to put up 50-plus on the Spartans is is, uh, is no easy task. 42, what they do, 42, I think, against Indiana, 38 Penn State. Yeah. This team can score on anyone. If I had to be somewhere on this game, this game, I would be, like you just mentioned, over that number, over that Osmakers, uh, north of that total. Yeah, 55-and-a-half. I think that's the way to go as well. I think it's a manageable uh, number. It's not crazy high. All right, so a game, and we've got shout out to Sooner Lisa. We've got to get Sooner Lisa calling in again uh, one of these nights. Sooner <laughs> Lisa and Oklahoma. Oklahoma Sooners now up to yeah. six and a half. This is a tricky one. Total is 58 and a half. Nobody's playing better football than Oklahoma is. Well, I guess Alabama is, but and Notre Dame is. But you get what yeah. I'm going. You, you know what yeah. I'm saying. They've been on a roll since they lost to Iowa State. It's all, It's coming together for them. And then you get an Iowa State team that's, you know, played above their body weight this year. Matt Campbell does a great job. And they're close to winning something for the first time since like 1914 or whatever the hell it is. They haven't won a yeah, championship yeah. or any title in any in any sport, guys, basically. And like right. any sport. 
um, and, and forever. So it's a massive game for them. Sooners lay six and a half, 58 and a half. What's your opinion on that one? Listen, I'm a, I'm a big Iowa State fan. Cam, I'm a big fan of Campbell. In fact, I think this might be, if Iowa State was to win this game, I think there's a really good chance that maybe Campbell's not with Iowa State next year. Yeah. So, you know, you can spread conspiracy if you want all you want. But, but here's the deal. Uh, Oklahoma is the better team, top to bottom. They're the better. They have more talent. Uh, I think they're well coached. And you can, you can believe the, you know, the rhetoric that Oklahoma's gotten better since they've lost uh, their, their second game and, and that they've been much improved as every single game has passed. All you have, really have to do is look at what they've done defensively over the last three weeks. They've allowed 36 total points in the Big, Ten, in the Big 12. That's an achievement if you're playing Kansas. I'm telling you right now, when you, in, in this kind of, in that, the officiating goes on in that league. The offense is in that league. The focus on the defense is less than. And um, I, I, I really like, listen, it's tough to beat Oklahoma. Beat Oklahoma twice in one year, uh, and that's probably worth uh, something on the trophy shelf. I like Oklahoma. You know what? Um, people don't realize, actually. So, and, and listen, everybody's had issues this year, uh, but Oklahoma yeah. uh, with Stevenson in the backfield, you know, they've been better. Uh, they were missing defensive yeah. end earlier in the season, Ronnie Perkins. And um, yep. they, you know, with him in the lineup, they've been better. And, you know, like I said, their offense, Rattler's gotten better. Everything has started to come together. But, man, hey, man, is it tough to go against this Iowa State team. As you mentioned, Matt it Campbell is. does a great job, and now they're getting up to six and a half. It's climbing. You know, Gabe, Campbell, Cyclones covered all five games versus Oklahoma when he was as his coach. Four as a double-digit dog. Cyclones, on average, were about 18 to 20 point underdogs. I read somewhere, and they have uh, they have two wins, outright wins, have covered by an average of 16, 17 points in those five games. However, since like 2015, 23 Power Five Conference Championship games, two, just two, two dose underdogs have won outright. So you do you do the math? All right. So that leads us into so Brian Kelly. Brian, I don't know. Does Brian Kelly know something that we don't know? I guess he already knows. They're <laughs> yeah. already they're already locked into the playoffs. I guess right because he's already complaining about you know who's going to be able to attend. Yeah. Brian Kelly's actually got right. the nerve that he said that they should move the Rose Bowl. That if there can't be fans yeah. at the Rose Bowl, they should move it somewhere else. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it really. Like you know, this guy's got a lot of nerve, and you're not even in the playoffs yet, bro. And you're telling people what they should do, and they should be moving games. Um, so it almost leads me to believe that he knows, oh, we're getting in no matter what. And they probably are. I don't know, unless they get, yeah. like, murdered and smoked in this game. I don't actually think they do get murdered and smoked. But I really, like, dislike Kelly. I think he's, like, just a giant, like, tool bag. And and I have a hard time pulling for him. But I think he is. I think he is the head coach of a pretty good football team. I think Notre Dame are better than people give him credit for. They're not like they you know they've got speed, they've got toughness, they've got experience, they've got like good skill position players. Like they're not the same Notre Dame teams that were in over their head in some of these games. We saw they beat Clemson already, and yeah, Trevor Lawrence wasn't there, but as you know, and as everyone knows who watched the game, had nothing to do with the quarterback of Clemson. The kid played great. Well, it had it had to do with 
You're right. It had to do with several variables. And and first first off, Lawrence gives Clemson a much better chance to win. There's this, the, we, you know, there's a gap there. There's a gap between Lawrence and most of the quarterbacks in the in, in Division One. Period. Uh, on his own team, there's a gap. Uh, Notre Dame's played well. Listen, they're they're a physical team. They do have some speed. Clemson, on the other hand, is a physical team that has speed. They are the better team. They they were missing some defensive linemen. Uh, there yep. were some nicks and bru- uh, cuts on the offensive side of the football. They here here's the deal. I, I'm I'm one of those Dabo Sweeney's on my list. He's one of those guys that if he has to cover and impress, he does it. Gabe, he does it, and he showed it earlier this year when he came back, when Lawrence came back. So he wants Lawrence to win to the Heisman. I believe Clemson's all out here. No no foot on the break. It's, it's, it's pedal to the metal, and we're going to win by as many as we can. Tony Finn, Wager Talk, Sports Race Late Night continues. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Go on, you stupid horse. I got my last ten bucks on you. No, don't look at me! Run! No, don't come over here! Uh, oh, boy. Late Night Anger, Maxi Slap continues, Ivorensi. You know you're a hardcore Sooner fan when you're excited and you've got a, uh, a signed bottle of Bob Stoops rock and roll tequila. And... We're actually yes. joined by a tequila connoisseur right now. Listen, Tony Finn's excited already. Yeah. We're joined by a tequila I, connoisseur I, right now. Have you ever drank Bob Stoops rock and, uh, rock and roll tequila before? Not on purpose, but I may have. <laughs> Cold. I have. A, Cold. I got a couple of bottles. Listen, I got a couple of bottles from South South Met today delivered to the house. In fact. I, I've you know I've done my best to be disciplined and hold back from having a, a few sips of uh, I have uh, some of the George Clooney the, the company that George Clooney owned they got a bottle of theirs tequila and then I got some mezcal uh, from Mexico it was a nice really nice bottle and and uh, uh, whoever the, the gentleman the nice gentleman that sent it to me uh, it cost him a, a little bit so I, I will I will try you, not to uh, spill any of that. You, you eat the worm? You drink the worm? Well, <laughs> well, it's funny, mezcal, the old, the true, the, the, the mezcal label, uh, back, you know, back when I was a lot younger, back in, um, when I was started drinking, when I got, you know, they had, had to be at least two years old in my family before you could start drinking. So, um, <laughs> and it was typically vodka, it was typically vodka being the Russians, uh, family. Although if it said, if it said Kentucky on it, my grand, you were my grandfather's best friend. You're, you didn't matter what it was. Kentucky gentleman. Uh, could have been two dollar, uh, two dollar, you know, two buck Chuck. He wouldn't care as long as it said Kentucky. But um, uh, Bob Stoops tequila. I'm, now you've, I'm gonna have to try it, Gabe. I'll have to find out uh, what what it's all about. I'm, I have a feeling it may not compare to George Clooney's. What they get for that company, Gabe, when they sold it, one billion? Really? A billion dollars for a tequila company? What about? Um... 
You ever had uh, Sammy Hager's uh, tequila before? Of course. Yeah, you know, I have stories about that. Not this, this I'll tell you. When I didn't live in Las Vegas and was working here a week at a time and go back home for a couple of days, I uh, they would put me at... Uh, I, for a long time, I stayed at Harris down across the street from the Mirage on the Strip, but then I stayed at, at Paris, and next door to Paris, I would the first thing I'd do, the first thing I would do when I got there is I'd go over next door to the Sammy Hagar's place and have a uh, a tequila and a burrito. And if you listen, that it it's the it is possibly the best eighteen dollar <laughs> burrito in Las Vegas. <laughs> I got to tell you, eighteen dollars for that burrito. Gordon, Gordon Ramsay's fish and chips are actually pretty good, too. We'll give him credit. The, uh, the Gordon Ramsay's fish okay. and chips. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking here at the bottle here, yeah. the website, rockandrolltequila.com. Good. To, I didn't I didn't realize that Bob Stoops was such a partier. I'm seeing pictures of him here I, rocking with tequila at a bar and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, listen, uh, I've, I have I've spent a lot of time with that uh, – that group of coaches, not Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops was gone by the time I showed up and was recovering Kansas State, to, uh, you know, under Snyder and his group, and and just really shortly. I don't take too much time, but but I I knew a lot of the coaches, the 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 underlings of Snyder, and uh, a large number of them didn't last. You know, they would quit because because Snyder required about a hundred hours a week. You didn't get to see your family. Um, the one thing he required, he didn't require is that you got Sunday mornings off so you could go to church. Snyder did. So Bob Stoops, partier, Bob Stoops as a partier would be a rather surprise to me, to be honest with you. Well, he's uh, posing in front of a bunch of bottles of tequila that are shaped in well, guitars. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> I like it. Tell me I like it. I got to tell you, bottles got, are uh, very little... cool. They got like a flying V guitar. Yeah. It's like rock and roll. It really is. Um it's All not right. his company. It's not his company, though. He's, he's just put his <laughs> well, he partnership. Got Come on, we know. Yeah. Got- Bob Stoops is officially partnering with Rock and Roll Tequila. The majority ownership of Rock and Roll Tequila brand is made up of a group of Oklahomans, and it seemed like a perfect fit to have Bob join our team. In other words, they should just say, and we paid him $150,000 to be our spokesman. Right. <laughs> That's right. And we're soon to get $1 billion for the company. It's just a matter of time. And you know what? And you know, Bob actually took the XFL job. So um, you know, Bob Bob's rocking. Yeah. The bottles look good. Yeah. I gotta be honest, I'm not a big tequila drinker though. I'm not a big tequila drinker. Well uh, it's, I, you know, it's just a name. All right, so Tony Tony Finn, the tequila uh kind of kind of uh sure. All right, Liz sooner Lisa says uh it's the type of tequila that really does make your clothes fall off though. So it sounds like it sounds like it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I never, uh, yeah. That's I don't listen. That, that's the last thing that anybody drinking tequila with me wants to happen, as far as my clothes go. Now, I mean, who knows somebody else's clothes, but uh, they don't want me <laughs> running around the neighborhood naked. Uh, that's a good point. Depends whose clothes are coming off. All right, so <laughs> right. That's uh, right. Bo- 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 yeah, Boise State. Boise State and San Jose State, another tricky game here. Yeah. Man, San Jose State yeah. have been good to us all year. We've been riding them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've been good to us all year. And here they are once again getting points. And, man, Boise State are better than they are. Boise State, we know they got better talent. We get it and all this. But can the, can the upstart kids 
from the Bay do it again. Can can San Jose State pull this off? It sounds crazy, but I was sort of watching when I was watching the games tonight. I started to think about it tomorrow, and I was thinking, you know what? San Jose State's party's probably going to come to an end tomorrow, isn't it? <laughs> like, what do you what do you make of Boise and San Jose State? Well, I will say this. Um, I wrote a little bit. I didn't write too much on this because I'm, uh, and I l- listen. I follow this conference um, as as much and as deeply and as long and as uh, as uh, as much as I can. Put it that way. Your whole There's some good teams. There's some average teams. You know, San Jose State. They've been listen. They've been an average. They were a team that has always been competitive. Always, always played hard, but they've never been undefeated. Uh, coming into this situation, if there's one Achilles uh, for Boise, and that is their secondary does not have very much speed. And unfortunately, San Jose State's wide receivers are not game breakers. Um, however, they're better defensively than people can credit for. They have, I think they've allowed 17 or less, and in, in, I can't remember yeah. the number of games. But, but if they contain Boise, if they contain Boise here, um, they can score with Boise. If they, if they can keep you know Boise from having 40, 50 yard runs, that's what Boise is going to do. Um, and, and little chip and dimp and dunk to their big tight ends, and, and that's how uh, that's how they're going to score. I, I would be on San Jose plus the points here, seven. If you can get a seven, I would probably be there. But uh, you know, I'm not in this room either. Uh, a gay by there's just so many question marks as far as Boise and some of their injuries too, quarterback injuries, et cetera, et cetera. From from what I understand, all the running backs they're pretty deep. They've got their stable, they're going to start, but there's still some question marks about the quarterback position and whether they're going to play one, rotate, et cetera, et cetera. Mountain West gets no love at all. Like, how come um, like the Raiders already played? The Raiders already yes. played. Like, how come this game isn't at that stadium? You know what I mean? Like, I thought that was the whole point of this thing. <laughs> that, you know, like, why... Yeah. No, but I get it. Listen, I get it if the Raiders were playing and they said, all right, listen, the Raiders are playing and there's a pandemic and it's difficult. But, and I get that during the regular season, you told these other teams from out of town that, listen, yeah. you're not, you know, you got to play Sam Boyd, fine. But for the Mountain West Conference Championship game, you know, why don't they put it in a nice stadium? I asked that question and I didn't, I got three different answers, so I won't even go over them all. Let's put it this way. Things are... You know, that relationship between the NFL and college football, even here in Las Vegas, isn't. it's not like it's uh, yeah, uh, Jim, yeah, and Bob, yeah. Jim Bob and, and, and Billy Bob. It's just not. Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. So, listen, Boise State guys, 13-0 and all time. 13-0 and all time against San Jose State. <laughs> San Jose State have never yes. beaten them. San Jose State have never beaten them before. What do you think about the total of this game? It's kind of an accurate number, isn't it? Yes, I think so. Um, again, this is one of those. If San Jose State's going to win this game, yeah. If San Jose's going to win the state game, they're going to score a game. So if you like San Jose and and you're not sure they're going to outscore Boise, you still have to be on the over here. You have to be on the over. Man, it's just so hard to get in front of a team with so much heart as San Jose State uh, are. Yep. So, yep. Uh, so boy, the Spartans six and zero straight up, five zero and one against the spread this year. Uh, very, very, very impressive uh, run for San Jose. And as you mentioned, they only give up like 17 points a game. All right. Yes, um, yeah. But, uh, but this is just different. And Brennan's done such a good uh, job. So get this. Um, 
And, you know, Bo- Boise, um, Boise, I don't know. Are you a big yards guy? Uh, do you use yards as a handicapping tool a lot? Because I know a lot of well, handicapping. It's a variable. Yeah, it's a, I use yards in different degrees, yards for play. It's not In this game right here, you know, uh, San Jose State's out, they're out yarding BYU by about 70, That's I think 65, 70 yards per game. Yeah, Dude, absolutely. BYU only, defense, BYU only out-averaged their opponents by 15 yards a game. Kind of a telltale right. sign. Like that, they're not smoking people. Yes, it is. Right? They're not smoking That's people. That's right. Nope, not at all. No, no, this is not this is not the best Boise team in the last ten years. At, with, with, not last five years, for that matter. And they they're absolutely beatable, without question. As you mentioned, they sort uh, uh, Boise feast on big plays. That's their thing. They're they're yep. they're they're a big play, big play offense. But guys, these games are tough. Like they, uh, let, let's just be real. It's a tough slate. We're gonna get into the NFL as well. We've got a couple of more college games to hit. With Tony Finn, the legend, kicking it with us. Cam says hi. The Raging Redhead Cam store misses you. He's a big fan. Oh, I like Cam, too. Yeah. Yeah, we got to get Cam on one of these uh, nights uh, when you're here. He was on with us the last two nights, though. He's worn out. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, wait a second. What are you doing? You're not betting. You know he's not supposed to bet. Come on, Jerry. It's a lock. Kramer, you've had this thing under control for almost three years now. Don't start again. But it's a lock. No. Late night anger management class. I am Marenzi. Tony Finn throwing it down with his wager talk in the house. Sportsmemo.com. Uh, live from Las Vegas, Nevada, a city that I used to live in and a city that I missed that I look forward to, uh, to getting back to, actually. Uh, but now, um, you know, I don't know. We're probably, eventually things will get back to normal. Eventually. <laughs> I don't know when, but eventually. So, Boise and San Jose, man, it's a tough game. I, you know, my gut tells me that San Jose, stay, dude, I just can't go against them. I can't go against them. It's one of these deals, guys. If you bet it, you take them, you hope for the best, you don't put a ton on it. You know what I mean? It is what it is, the Mountain West Conference Championship game. But ultimately, ultimately, I can't go against a team that's like, you know, they they haven't not covered a game yet. I mean, they got a push, but they haven't not covered a game yet. I'm not going to get in front of that. But sometimes, you know, it's like, you know, look at USC. Oh, they're undefeated. I'm not going to get in front of that. Well, they're not undefeated anymore. (laughs) So yeah, well, good call. Good call. Didn't help yeah. that the wide receiver got hurt, Tony. That was that was the no, win didn't. for you right there. That was the win it, right yeah. there. It, it's always something little, isn't it? It is. People, we can we can argue that for for ages and ions and and every single game that we, we can we can argue something oh, that right. turned the you're game. Right. I agree. With you. Yeah, I know. And it's yeah. never the one play that everyone in the media talks about. It's always the little other no. plays. Like you're exactly yeah. right. When I saw him get hit, and it was out of bounds too, but it wasn't a penalty. He sort of got like no. the uh, the Amon Ross St. Brown dude. Um, 
um, he he caught the pass in bounds. And this guy's a stud. He's a playmaker. He caught the pass in bounds, yeah. but it was a mouthy game. It was like an L.A. street fight. Now, most of the kids from the Ducks are actually from L.A., too. That's something that is big that we should have brought up in the handicap. So there was a lot of jawing. It was a very chippy game, like chippy, chippy, like past chippy. Like they would have started fighting if they could have. And they were all smoking each other. And the dude, like the Ducks gang tackled the star wide receiver on USC and they slammed him. And it's funny. It's crazy because Dr. Chow actually brought it up. We had a Dr. Chow promo and you you subscribed to him. So Dr. Chow brought it up. We were talking about uh, the yes. sidelines and stuff. And he said that the sidelines are the worst when they put that uh, the padding and the mat yep. there and stuff. Said it makes it worse because it's slippery. So guys yep. lose their slipping. Like if it was just grass still, Tony, he would have fallen forward yep. and it would have been natural and stuff. But so he's getting tackled on the grass, guys. And he sort of got carried into the sidelines. And you saw the second they all hit the mat, it got ugly. They all sort of took a weird tumble. And he went down hard. Yep. Boom. And uh, it was just awkward. You saw that, Tony. I swear, bro, when I saw that, I'm like, that's the game. And I know, I, I yep. can tell you, Oregon were the better team. The pass rush was unbelievable. The defense steps up. The Ducks have a good secondary. They haven't given up more than three touchdown passes in a game like type thing. Like, their, their secondary is good. Their defense brought it. But that was a massive turning point in the game because that kid does have a knack for making big plays late in games. It, this is, listen, this is Oregon defense is one of the best defenses they had in the last year. You know, they've never, they've never been the type of offense, or at least scheme-wise, that was going to allow even a good defense to be great or a great defense to be good for that matter. This is a pretty aggressive, hard hitting defense. And you saw that tackle. There are a lot of tackles. You saw some balls knocked out of USC receivers hands that, that typically yeah. other, other Pac-12 teams would not have done. It was a, it was a well-played game truthfully on both sides and fun to watch actually. Yeah, it was a good game. It, it was a good game. I'm upset how it played out, but it was tough. They struggled. USC couldn't run the football. Right, they just couldn't get yeah. the ground game going at all, no. and and Slovis was running for his life. I mean, that's just let's yeah. cut to the chase. That's that was the game. Slovis was the thing is, so at the end, Tony admit you were on the Ducks. You had to be getting a little nervous. USC made it thirty-one twenty-four. They nearly intercepted them. They they sacked them. Yep. They got the punt back. They had momentum, bro. And then Tony, yes. the bomb. Oh my God, McCoy it goes right through his arms, Tony. That, yeah, we're talking yeah, yeah. about a tie football game if he catches that. It's, here's here's the deal. We, I was on I was on UCLA last weekend, so you know you yeah, and I yeah, were. Yeah. Let's put it this way. <laughs> yeah, right. They're up by twenty. Come on, man. It's crazy. You see, this is a team that that's in. We've talked about this last week. I'm not a big Helton fan. I was surprised yeah. that he's still there, and and LA has a couple of uh, a couple of coaches that are. That I can promise you won't be in the Hall of Fame. One of them is on the USC <laughs> campus, USC campus, and the other one, the other one uh, coaches the Chargers. Hey, listen, the thing with Clay Helton too, it might be worse actually for the Trojans that that they won, that they had a good year, that so now yes. he's going to stay, right? They're not going to fire him now. They're going to win five and one. Probably not. They're going to they're say no. we went five and one. Yeah. We went to the Pac-12 title game. Our star wide receiver got hurt. Otherwise, we probably would have tied the game. And you know what I mean? They, you know, they're not gonna, they're, you know, they're, they're not gonna fire him now. But good win, and you just nailed it right there. Last week, it's like a merry-go-round. Last week, you know what I mean? <laughs> USC scored. This yeah. week, they didn't. It's the way yeah. it works. Uh, yeah. That's the way it goes. Um, 
Alabama and Florida. It's crazy, Tony. This number was 12 and a half. I remember because me and Merrill were talking about this last Friday night. And I said, out of all these conference championship opening numbers that were out there, I said, that's the one that jumps out at me. And he goes, in which way? On which side? And I said, I don't think I said Alabama should be favored by 17. And it was 12 and a half. And here they are now favored by 17 and a half. And I hear people kind of talking themselves into talking themselves into Florida in this spot. I don't see it. I I don't know. Am I wrong? Alabama's the best team in the country. They don't let up. And they're going to win by 24, I think. Like, they're, I'm not getting in front of Alabama. No, um, I'm with you. Uh, 100%. That was a really bad, first off, that's a bad loss by Florida last weekend. It's not just a loss. It's a bad loss. A bad loss uh, from those who are looking at it, those in power that would even think about putting Florida under certain circumstances and a long shot to make the, the Final Four if, if they beat Alabama and got a bunch of help. Not happening. I still don't think they're the one team I don't believe would be in. She had their NFL receiver opt out. They had their third-string quarterback. This is a game loss, and that resonates with the kid's head. If it was an NFL game, I'd say, listen, throw it away. There's no sandwich games. There's no look-ahead games. There's no let-down games with professional athletes. While you can make an excuse or make that comparison, I don't believe in it. Don't handicap that way. For kids, it's a bad loss. And this is an Alabama team that if we had more time, I'd go over. teams. This is a team that almost averages 50 points a game, 49.5 points a game, Gabe. And if you want to go back and talk about teams that have averaged 50 points in college football, uh, most of those teams, more than half of those teams, won national championships and, and did it in yeah, yeah. A, a glorious fashion. The thing with Alabama is, guys, it's funny because in past years, Jalen Hurts, Tua, right? They've had flashy yeah. players um, and and mm-hmm. big time, you know, running backs and these sort of name, uh, like big time NFL prospects. It's funny how Mac Jones sort of fell under the radar, right? I don't know if it was because yeah. his name yeah. Mac, you know, just a standard dude. You no, know, his name Mac, uh, and oh, he'll he'll manage. Don't worry, he'll be all right. He's lighting it up, right? So Mac Jones is lighting it up and. Well, they, you know, people don't talk about one specific player. And look, they lost Waddle. They don't talk about, like, one specific player about Alabama. But that's what makes them so damn good. Every damn good on Alabama is, like, a stud. Like, every player in every position is a stud. And I've been reading quotes of coaches that have said, and it's a pandemic year this year, so everything's weird, like, flies under the radar. It's not, like, no asterisks, but I'm saying it's just different storylines. And... But what's flying under the radar is that coaches in the SEC, multiple coaches have all said, dear God, like after they played Alabama, they were like, that's the yeah. toughest Bama team we ever played. Like they, yeah. they and think uh, about that, guys. They've been some damn good national, Alabama have been like the king of the kings. And SEC yeah. coaches that all play this team this year, all walk away and they're like, that's the best Alabama team that Saban's ever had. Like that's how good like people think they are. Other coaches. Yeah. There's, there's only one chance. Listen, Florida's got Brendan Cox Jr. He's their he's their edge rush specialist. He's the difference maker in this game, and and he's the only. I, I trust me when I tell you this. Is, I, I'm passionate about this. He's the only player that could possibly make a difference in this game for Florida. 
and you better believe Saban knows that, and he will he will address that as he already has uh, for for a couple weeks. And and pressuring Jones, who's been sacked only eight times this year, guys, it plays behind arguably the nation's best offensive line is absolute. And this is a team that's so balanced running back the receiver. The fact that Waddle got hurt, there's something to be said about a team that has too many too many. Elite receivers. Uh, this, that really, and I, I don't want to be a, I don't want to say that injury made the difference for this Alabama team, but, uh, but guys like Harris, who he's on the defense side for Alabama, he, he injured his shoulder in last week's game. He's listed as questionable. I've talked to people, you're not keeping Harris out of this game, and this is a game, this is a game where I believe, like you gave Alabama, not just, they don't just win. It's convincing. It's convincing, and they make a statement to anybody who's going to face them next. Say, listen, um, you're going to have to bring out the sniper because you're going to have to shoot a couple guys uh, to beat us. <laughs> I agree. Tony Finn with us. And uh, we're going to get into the NFL in level in level three with Tony here. But I'll tell you what, um, you know, you look at you look at the job uh, that, that Saban has done uh, with this program. It's unbelievable. And this year specifically with the COVID, like you notice there's been no outbreaks with the Bama players. Has one Alabama player even gotten COVID? I don't think so. Hasn't I, been think, I think every earlier. other team. I think yeah, he yeah. did. Co- well, he did. Saban got it. And you Saban know what? In the summer. Yeah. In the summer, Saban yeah. got it twice, yeah. actually. Saban's gotten it twice. Yep. <laughs> but his players, like, yeah, I know, remember like before the season started, a few, but nothing major. Like just so well disciplined. Like the program was just ready. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, yeah. everyone else is like, oh, my God, there's COVID. Oh, we didn't get to practice. We got excuses. Alabama's that team and that guy. Man, I've been saving for years. I got money in the bank. I'm good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Alabama yeah. was just ready. They're just ready. They were prepared for this, and they they plowed through it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And listen, I've done shows over the years, Tony, with a lot of great people, all right, including yourself. But I've done shows with a lot of Thank great you. people. But one of the great, uh, great, great times I've had was uh, one full NFL season um, and Saturday. So Saturday and Sunday, uh, college football and NFL. I did a show every Saturday and Sunday with Marshall Falk, and um, nice. but in yes. in studio together. So not just sort of you know what I mean right. over the phone or over video. Yeah. We were actually in the same room together, and the amount of football that I learned from him was just astronomical. Yep. But. Mm-hmm. Um, what he told me, he said that, you know, Marshall's from uh, LS, from uh, from Louisiana. So I played at San Diego State, but he's from Louisiana. So anyways, Marshall Falk was at the LSU-Alabama game like two years ago, whenever it was. And Marshall said, he goes, Alabama is like better coach and the players are in better positions than most NFL teams are. Like other NFL, like other other and other college coaches are going up against like NFL caliber coaches, guys. Saban's assistants make two mil a year, man. Yep. Yep. Yeah. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Vegas in the house, sports memo, wager talk. 
was talking about Alabama and uh, Alabama's uh, dominance uh, this year. And as I was telling the story, Tony, so Marshall Falk, and yeah, what a great Marshall. I learned so much uh, from, yeah, you're going to learn, like that guy could be a coach. Like, man, he yeah. knows football. Like, man, does that guy know football? So um, I think he's an agent now, actually. He's a player. I think he's Zeke Elliott's agent, to be honest. I think he's working with Zeke. Um, but anyways, so yeah, Marshall was telling me, though, that at, with Alabama, he goes, uh, he was on the sideline, Marshall. And basically, so he's like, man, he told me, he goes, Alabama's players are like bigger than NFL teams, number one. He's like, every player is like an NFL caliber guy on Alabama. And, he, and then he said, he goes, he's watching them. And <laughs> he said, like most college kids, everything's so simple. They have a couple of schemes. They have a couple of packages they run. And that's basically it. He did, Marsha was telling me that Alabama is more complicated than an NFL team, bro. Like on defense, Tony. Like the the linebackers yeah. that smart, the captain switch up, audible, yep. double switch, nickel, dime, boom, boom, and he was just saying about how if if you do one thing that works on Saban, like if you're playing Alabama and you you have a half a half a good drive, you're like all right, you completed a 17 yarder, you completed a 24 yarder, they will adjust. Like they don't, there's no halftime adjustments. They adjust on the fly. And basically, they're like, all right, go to this cover, too. And then they throw, like, NFL packages at you. And college kids can't deal with cover, two and NFL schemes. And Bama have the talent to pull it off. And as I stated, Alabama's coaching staff make, like, $17 million a year. Like, or $22 million a year, guys. I think it's even more now. Like, Saban makes, like, 10 or whatever it is. But, like, you know, like, right. the assistants are all... Like the, the special teams coach is making nearly a mil, guys, at Bama, right? And it's just his job. Yes. Be perfect. Be perfect. That's all Saban's asking. Be perfect. Oh, I ask, like me, be perfect. Only if my fits can be perfect. <laughs> Bring it. <laughs>